This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. So wonderful just to be settled back here and getting ready to begin our second hour. Even though, ladies and gentlemen, when we finished up doing Kelly and Company, I have to say we had the buzz always starting our second hour. So when we were preparing during the rehearsals to get to TV, we made the change in uh, in our schedule. And we're, we're struggling. I always think, okay, we did that. And oh, oh my goodness. Hold on a sec. Yeah. How come we're not? this far in the show were this far. Not that that's a problem either, Ramya. Yeah, but it does something to you. It, it definitely, like, messes up the way that you feel the show is going, right? Like, the pacing, because we've always had him kicking off the second hour, and now yeah. he's ending off the first hour, so you kind of feel like you've gone further than you actually have in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a positive thing, ladies and gentlemen, because... Ramya, it means simply we're adding so much content to mm-hmm. the program, always evolving it and, and saying, hey, maybe we need to do this a little bit more and always trying to tweak it for the audience out there. But mainly just because there's just so much out there we want to bring to the show and you have to make those changes. You have to make those calls. Of course, yes. And as we uh, refresh things, usually, you know, twice a year, like winter, summer-ish, we take a look at the show and say, hey, what else can we add? What can we tweak? And where can we put this, you know, this new idea or that thing? Uh, And then on top of that, we're always talking to new guests as well, Kels. Oh, there's always just so much, and you stop and say, oh, my goodness, this is a cool thing to to bring to the show. This is a cool person to talk to. Well, uh, speaking of cool people to talk to, our gardener, Susan Kearney, not available. Um, so we're going to talk about a few other things that we've come across of late. And one of the things I think, we'll start with a little bit of fun here, because this is, to me, one of those interesting things that we have recently talked about, about the words of the year and different things like that. Well, the word GOAT is a goner. The acronym for greatest of all time is basically toast right now, as are many words that made 2023's banished list. In its annual list of banished words, Lake Superior State University says GOAT is public enemy number one in 2023 for, quote, overuse, misuse, and uselessness. The school has compiled a list from thousands of nominations every year since 1976. Absolutely and amazing are on the 2023 list. Gaslighting is also banished. The 2023 list welcomes some of last year's trendier topics, too. Quiet quitting and Inflection point are both banished terms this year. Will Gans, ABC News, New York. So, Ramya, let's start here. Inflection point? Yeah. What is that? What? Well, I I wanted to pull out that, (laughs) of course, gaslighting, which we had talked about on the show, being this word of the year and how wonderful, you know, people were were finding it. Uh, Then you have words like amazing, you know, and and, and doing on air stuff like we do. We do. And now they're saying, no, 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 you can't be saying amazing when someone's talking. We love absolutely, too. Oh, that and, and, you know, awesome. You know, like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. Right? I think well, that was banished just... a couple centuries ago. I think so. Uh, well, probably ages, right? But amazing, like that word. And you, again, you say, well, you're never going to remove the word amazing. It's no. going to come back, as so many will. Goat. Now, I've, I've heard, especially the sports people, when sports. they get... Yep. And on-air people get, all right, we need something to talk about today. It's a quiet sports day. So they go crazy bringing this stuff up and, and carrying on about it. Uh, and I always find that just 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 fantastic. It's really interesting when you look at words that we know you're overusing. And I, I always try it when I hear this stuff, how many of these are the words from TV shows? Because that's where people often are quoting their you know, their favorite character on their favorite TV show, and they utilize the words or things they do repetitively, and, and you end up like, man, I've, I've turned to hating TV shows I've never even watched just because people constantly quote them. Constantly, yeah. Well, yeah, or reference them in everyday life and every single, like, single thing that could happen. That's true, too, like the TV references. The other thing I find is just when you hear, like, on social media, if you're flipping through TikTok, um and you're in a wormhole for like hours on end, you will find, especially because it caters content to you that you already like, right? You like and follow something, boom, your algorithm is filled with that stuff. 80% of your scrolling is gonna be filled with it. And so 
people utilize, like, how do you even say it? They utilize what works for other people, right? So if somebody's made a two-minute video that sounds a certain way and they're getting a lot of success on it, you, as a content creator, are probably going to use what they use. So then all mm -hmm. these videos look, sound, and feel very similar to each other from the words they use to the pace, uh, pacing and the cadence and, and content and everything else. So that's where I find these words are very much overused. I'm not talking specifically about goat or absolutely or amazing here, but gaslighting, that was used, like sometimes it was used um, intentionally, carefully, in a way where you're defining the word or pe letting people understand the context behind it, right? And other times, people were just using it everywhere. Everywhere yeah. and for anything. And it was becoming so blurry for me. I'm like, so anything and everything is gaslighting now. Well, and, and the context of what, what it, or the meaning, if you want to say, yes. obviously changes with what people are utilizing it for when a word or a term um, comes back to the surface. So I always find that interesting too, because you know we'll always joke that, well, you know, the young people are saying this or the older people say that, so therefore, you know, I'm not going to say it. And, and you can really get turned off and the meaning of the word change so much by the overuse of it and mm -hmm. uh, to, to where you just hate it. And I think that's how these things get on these lists because as they're making it, then they talk to people and say, well, you know what? I'm tired of hearing that word. Of course, it's not gone. It'll it'll resurface. Yeah. But but I find it fascinating. Yeah, like stop also, using it. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Come on or calm down or grow your thesaurus a little more, please. <laughs> yeah. um, we were talking work earlier in the week, and I think this is one of those things that people always want to get into. Uh, and we talked about it the other day with Michael from Robert Half about that four-day work week. A new study on work, uh, work-life balance uh, by the International Labor Organization says flexible schedules can lead to a lot more loyal workers, folks out there, and uh, more productive work. The United Nations Agency says flexible work schedules can improve workers' job satisfaction, performance, and commitment to an organization, therefore reducing recruitment costs and increasing productivity. The study found that employers who enforce strict work arrangements or schedules such as a 9-to-5 office work week could see productivity and job performance drop and turnover and absenteeism increase. Lead author John Messenger says new work arrangements during the COVID-19 crisis and the ensuing so-called Great Resignation has placed work-life balance at the forefront of social and labor market issues. Lori Paris, the Canadian Press. Okay, I know we've talked this and some of our audience might say, you guys have talked about this so much for the last two years. Because they're Let's still promoting it, it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's one of those subjects that eh, we're hoping, don't get sick of hearing it, just put it into play. Get it going. Yeah, obviously. Uh, because, you know, um, I think we're deep down fearful that it's just a fad. Like, it's just a temporary arrangement, all this flexibility and uh, being able to have a work-life balance or just anything. Any of the accommodations and things that you've had in the last couple of years were afraid or uh, wondering if it's going to last. And obviously, as more companies start arranging time to come back into the office or whatever, we're thinking, okay, we're going to just slowly back in... Uh, go back into the way things were before. So uh, it is important to have these conversations to realize how much of an impact the flexibility actually has on employees, on relationships, on communication, on productivity, all these different ways of work. Well, as we talked to Michael, you know, you get thinking about the four-day work week for those who possibly remotely could do it. You get thinking about if we talk about it too much, does it be, you know, we want to keep it relevant, as you said, but then we're also hearing so many people who are back in the office uh, with or without crowds of people, but happy to have somewhere to go, happy to kind of see people. And then you have that faction, which has always been there, but been able to kind of get more of a foothold and say, you know what? I accomplish a lot more at home, and I, I, I've noticed that myself about me when I started to work from home years ago. I seemed to get more done because the rest of the time when I was in Toronto, ah, go for a little walk. I need to walk every hour. Hi, how are you? Which walking turned into just standing at people's desks talking, right? Yeah. So it, it worked out that way to some extent to be the social bee that way. But then on the other hand, being happy with, wow. I got a lot done. The problem is going to your favorite topic, Ramya, that work-life base, you know, kind of balance. How do you do it if, you know, maybe you start doing stuff at 7 in the morning and you're still messing around with a bit of something at 8 at night, but you've taken some time during the day? If that works for you and that's your balance, 
I'm not so sure there's anything wrong with that. However, we see so many people that don't know how to shut it off on Saturday, of Sunday, course. or whenever their day offs are. Of course, you're still going to face everything and anything you faced beforehand, right? If you're a workaholic, yes. you're still facing that. If you're like, oh, I just want to do the bare minimum, the quiet quitting kind of vibe, then you're still going to deal with that. And, you know, management, supervisors who um, have always wanted to and felt more comfortable micromanaging to, to make sure they can keep an eye on everything that's going on are going to struggle with that. So it's not that, you know, it's an all or nothing scenario. Give us the flexibility because that's 100% ideal for everybody. That's not the case. But nonetheless, um, one of the things that we bring up all the time with our friends from Mike of uh, Michael French, but Robert Half, is the transparency and the communication and to be able to say, you know, today I'm having a rough day or today I have an appointment in the middle of the day. Can I please work around that? You know, all these different uh, ways to talk about it, I think, is the one of the core things we need to think about. You know what I love when we talk to Michael? I think we always sit here and think, well, when they do these surveys, this got to be the outcome of this, and right. this has to be. There's always something that he brings up that, hey, man, this surprised us. This was something we didn't anticipate. And I think you and I have run into that as we sit and have our conversations with anybody about these things, any of the surveys. There's always that surprise that makes you stop and say, hmm, I, I would have never thought that according to, you know, like look at some of the stuff Margaret Weldon brought to us today right. in the buzz. You get those thoughts. But when, when Michael's here, there's always that surprise that makes you stop and wonder. That's hmm, true. How, how does this change things? Or how come this isn't consistent with what I've been hearing lately on, whether it's four-day work weeks, work-life balance? And I find that sometimes uh, a little tough. But it is what it is. Uh, folks, once again, if you were tuning in, we um, couldn't get a hold of Susan today. So we'll bring her back on the program next week for sure with our, our gardening segment. Um, and uh, we appreciate you hanging out while Rummy and I have a little conversation and bringing to you some of the things that we've found lately that are going on and being discussed out there in the news from words to work-life balance today. When we return, it's that time, ladies and gentlemen. We do it every week as well on Friday as we swing open the gateway to your weekend. It's always time to talk a little audiobooks with Ryan Huey. There was a record broken in 2022 in the audiobook world. Wonder what it was? Well, Ryan Huey, he'll fill us in in just a couple of moments on the Chatty Bookshelf. Stick around. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. If I only pay the... On Twitter, you can find Ramya at AllRams with a Z. Myself... At AMI Kelly Mac. Always love to get in there and have a conversation with you. If you want to follow the Twitter feed for Kelly and Rumya, just at Kelly and Rumya on Twitter. Well, we've got a few more segments left here in the program to get you through your Friday gateway to the weekend. More than halfway open. We'll, uh, we'll let you free when we're done the show. Uh, thank you for being with us, and uh, whenever you can give us your time, we appreciate it. As mentioned, uh, I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario, in behind me on the screen, uh, the outline of uh, the skyline of Toronto, and off to my left shoulder on the side there, a bit of the CN Tower for you, and uh, it's a bit of a, a grey background if you're kind of wondering about that. A little hazy. Uh, and I hand things over to Ramya Muthan. Well, we've been breaking some records, Kels. I'm not sure if we personally have been part of this record-breaking business, but as we're audiobook listeners, I feel like we can celebrate. We're going to find out more about this context with Ryan Huey on the Chatty Bookshelf. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Right. Whenever we talk to you, it's a Friday. So inevitably, we will be talking to you on a Friday the 13th. So happy Friday the 13th. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. Welcome to TV and welcome to 2023. You guys look and sound great. Uh, I've been uh, watching all day and uh, it's been an amazing show so far. Oh, thank, thank you. you yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, what? I know. It yeah. didn't take us long, right, to hit a Friday the 13th. Usually no it, it takes a few months, but, you know, you guys are hanging in there doing all right. 
It snuck up on us actually, and <laughs> some sometimes like we do this thing where we, uh, like if somebody starts talking about Friday the Thirteenth, we look into when the first one is coming up. But I don't think any of us were really expecting that it was going to be. Jan. No, no, I never look. I mean, usually no you hear somebody say, oh, there's four of them this year. What? Okay, maybe two. I'm exaggerating. But you'll get that sometimes where you get, and, and you don't really stop to think about it until it comes upon. And I mean, I'm sure, as we were talking, Ryan, at the top of the show, about superstition, people who we've had in our families that, that may be like that. Uh, both Influenced us. Uh, mothers have been like that uh, all their lives. And, and it's that kind of thing where you certainly knew about and subconsciously were aware, oh, a ladder up there. Oh, go around yeah. it. Go on the outside. Yeah, just to be careful. Did, did you have that person in your family? You don't have to scream out their name unless you want to and, you know, maybe you don't get along with them. But that would really... <laughs> influenced other family members <laughs> you know what this? in everyday life no but when it came to sports uh, i was uh always my dad oh, and, and i like we were always like you know like oh when you're putting your hockey equipment on always left side first always do left side and then do the wow. right side for as much as there's interesting little things like that right uh so uh, yeah we didn't even get especially well, especially when you're playing well, right? You don't want to jinx yourself, but you're uh -huh. a, a baseball dude, right, and have played it. Um, did you run into a lot of it there? Because a lot of baseball people are superstitious. Absolutely. So there was, uh, don't you know, uh, pitchers don't touch my bat because you suck the hits out of them. Uh, there was one day, and this is really funny. This is my, in my younger days in high school. We were on a huge winning streak. We went into the playoffs. We went. Uh, we ended up going to Opsa. I didn't wash my uniform the whole playoffs, and I know that sounds oh, so gross oh, now, gross. but I was yep. like, you know what? No, we're, yep. we're winning. We're winning. I can't do it, and nobody cared. It was just, yeah, that was the big yeah. superstition. Yeah, so you want to have the exact uh, yeah. same day, and washing your uniform would not have been. Carry your dirty laundry onto the field the next day because you bring along with it your win streak. Incredible, Ryan. <laughs> hey, it worked. So, you know what? Knock, touch wood. There you go. There's another one. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So, uh, we talk audiobooks with you every week. So, we're going to get into a couple different things. Let's start with your listening goal for the uh, year. Yes. Glad you asked. So this one's great. I do this every year on Goodreads. You can set your reading goal just by going into the more section on the bottom right hand tab uh, for voiceover users. It's down there as well. It's audio uh, described. And then you can just go in at the top and it's, it'll go into a text box and you type a number of books that you uh, want to listen to or read. And I typically, you know, 52 weeks in a year, I typically try to hover around that 52 mark uh, this week, or I guess this year, I should say, I kind of upped it a little bit and said 55. Uh, I usually do go over that, but I'm always skeptical at the beginning of the year. Uh, I guess I've just been taught, you know, shoot low. And, and then when you when you beat it, you you look that much better. Uh, so I did 55 because you got your fantasy football, you got your summertime vacations, things like that. So I think that I'm going to do well this year. I'm already at one, uh, one down. So uh, I'm, I'm doing quite well. And it was an excellent book. Uh, I, I think it might reach my top five. The first one, there's a new Netflix movie on it as well. So there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of buzz around this one, but I'm, I'm really excited about your reading challenges. So guys, you know, let me know yours too, if, if you have them, or if you want to you know, talk to me on Twitter about it or anything, there's a, a really good chance that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make some rec good recommendations to each other because the reading challenge is so much fun and you can look at each other's uh, and it, it's just a really great overall uh, kind of community building thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Ryan, could you toss out your Twitter handle just for those who uh, maybe want to? Of course. So it's Ryan. at... It's at R Hui, just my name, like R like Ryan, then H O O E Y four two. So at R Hui forty two. Uh, so anybody wants to to you know reach me there. Uh, there's a bunch of audiobook stuff, uh, and you know what? It, that's the place to be for sure. What else did you want to cover today, sir? You've got some very interesting news here. This is really cool. So we we've been talking for years that you know the audiobooks are here to stay and they're breaking records and doing all this stuff, but this is to me kind of crazy and absurd. So there's always been that push for publishers and authors to buy their book. It's no, you know, Ramya, Kelly, and Ryan. All three of us have to buy it. That's three sales. They're kind of moving away from that now, where it's we're going to give more copies to the libraries uh, because they're using apps such as Overdrive, which we'll talk about in a second, and they're getting more consumers to read and listen that way. And rightfully so. I guess there's kind of that stigma around, oh, it's one purchase with 50,000 people listening to it rather than 50,000 purchases. But nationally, 127 libraries last year had over 1 million ebook and audiobook 
borrows or checkouts. Wow. And that's that's a lot. I mean, for a, one library to have, um, you know, a million checkouts, that that's great. That's uh, unbelievable. And now it's so easy, like we said, shop from or rent from your your couch or your, your easy chair, and you can kind of do it on the OverDrive app. So that's really, really cool. But there was one stat on this that staggered my mind. There's one library worldwide, and it probably shouldn't be surprising to you guys, but it's topped 10 million last year, 10 million checkouts. Any idea what library it might be? Hmm. No, biggest library not for in the me. world. <laughs> it was the Los Angeles Public Library. Ah, so they I was going to say New York, million. but yeah. see, yeah. that would have been my first guess too. But when I yep. read it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So they had 10 million ebook and audiobook uh, checkouts, and that's that's wild to me. So like, we're looking at this as its own media, um, and it's definitely here. So it's I I can't believe that th this is going. And you would think that. Um, you know, it's just, it would slow down at some point, but the actual overall checkouts for audiobooks and eBooks was around 550 million. So you have all those libraries that didn't quite reach that 1 million mark, but I'm hoping that we can push them to it uh, this year. And you know what, instead of 127, let's make it 150 libraries that hit that million mark. And uh, it'll just show that much more uh, how great audiobooks are and how they're just hmm. inclusive and made for everybody. So is it, Ryan, any idea when we look at this, is it more newer writers, um, less, I don't want to say less experienced, but just trying to get on the market that we're finding that there is much more of a comfortable push to loan those books out or, or, or get them out there so that it kind of helps establish? Or are we seeing it across the board, doesn't matter how seasoned, doesn't matter how big of a name. Um, I mean, we love it. It's a positive thing if you're able just to check books out and, and, and trying to figure out what would be the thing that makes that person say, you know what, I don't mind if I'm not getting Ramya and, and Kelly's purchases. I got Ryan's, but they, Ramya and Kelly, have read my book, and that's fine too amongst the, the many others that have. See, I think it's a little of both. Uh, so you got the, those newbies that are trying to break the break into the the industry, and you know, hey, I want fifty thousand reads instead of one hundred and fifty purchases, right? Kind of thing. But then mm -hmm. you see people, um, and I don't know if this is the publisher or if this is an author kind of thing, but you see people. I'm going to use this one, just Stephen King. A lot of his stuff is now coming up, but it's his older stuff that's been around and it's sold. 5 million copies or a million copies or whatever. So you have those older kind of books, not so much as newer stuff that is just kind of getting established. It's uh, it's kind of the older stuff that's in the libraries and, and being loaned out and everybody's getting a chance to borrow it and experience it. And then you have those outliers. Uh, there's the Jonathan Mayberry's out there who have you know produced uh, 50 audiobooks where he just puts everything. Yeah, go for it. Read it. I want you to listen to it and, and tell me that you loved it or tell me you hated it. And uh, I think that's a, a big piece to it, too, is, you know, leave a review uh, whether or not and tell me where you rented it or where you bought it. Uh, that's a big one now, too, that I see on Goodreads. Uh, it'll be, oh, my name's Rami, and I, um, you know, I, I borrowed uh, book one of Harry Potter, um, Toronto Public Library on Overdrive. So there, you see a lot of those in the reviews, too, now, which is great, because now you're seeing who's doing what and just, um, you know, to looking up for re recommendations and the how-tos. Yeah. It, it's important to note that, you know, people still have various ways of reading, listening, and I'm not just talking about the formats that you use, but I'm talking about the resources, right? So you might, like, even for me personally, I have um, the ability to use Sela as a person with a print disability. I also am on Audible, and I'm also using the Toronto Public Library with the um, Libby app. So it, there are just many and sometimes it's as simple as like oh, I want to know the two different or the three different narration options that are out there or maybe today I feel like reading uh physically like having a, a screen reader read my thing but tomorrow I want to pick it up in audio format so there's just I think that people do this more than we realize Ryan just have different options for books especially you know people like you who have book goals and reading goals for the year and are right. are crunching in the numbers and enjoy thoroughly enjoy reading a book a week two books a week no, you're absolutely right. And I, that's the thing I love is that you can use those Libby apps, the Overdrive app, or even the Sela yes. to kind of carry you over because you get one credit a month for Audible. And, you know, I, I mean, and it, maybe some people out there can buy the five, six, seven books from uh, Audible a month, but I can't. That that can get pricey. Uh, audiobooks aren't really that cheap. So you can, you can rent and borrow uh, for 
for free and you know tide you over to you get that uh that next credit and then you can buy the book uh that you're you've been waiting for yeah that might not be available yeah and and honestly it's a very generous community like the community of book lovers and and advocates for reading are very very generous like none of the libraries out there are going oh well come and borrow from us and don't purchase on audible right like it's no, all exactly. very we're open arms uh right so it's what more else about the, the reading have to say exactly it, uh, you know what? It just it said a lot of th good things. So it, it was looking at, uh, you know, hey, the publishers are finally coming around. It's more about the getting the content out there than making the 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 money right like obviously they want to make money obviously they want the book to sell you know a million copies sure. and get on that new york new york times bestseller list but there's something that should be said about like we just said there um about everybody listening you get those fifty thousand listens or however from the toronto public library and then you can really see how uh, people are consuming the the books and where they need to be. And I think that they're starting to realize, and I think the authors might be getting a little bit more say in this because to them, obviously it matters for their livelihood, but you know, they, they ultimately want their work to be shared with as many people as possible. So yeah. it's more or less like, let's get it out there and let's get people to listen. They want to be talked about. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so easy to do now with social media, with Goodreads, with everything. It's like, hey, I just read this book and it's amazing. Go check it out. And all you have to do is tag the author and, you know, it, it can explode in, in 10 seconds, right? So you have a goal related to all this for the year as well? Ooh, related to every, I think I just do the reading goal, but you know what? I, I'm now I'm going to have to go back and think and go back to the drawing board and maybe create a new goal <laughs> and come back with you guys and say, Hey, I got it now. This is what I'm going to do. But there's always those freebies. And I would love to get some more freebies off of uh, Twitter and uh, reach out to publishers. <laughs> Stop racking up your credit card and use the freebies, right? Come on. <laughs> of course you got to. No, that's great. Um, we really enjoy talking to you about this, and every week there's just something to look into, especially over the weekend, right? Like, why not take this opportunity to go and check out your uh, the way that you can consume content from your library using the apps and your library card? Ryan, thank you. Have a good week. We'll talk next Friday. Have a great superstitious day, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> great and superstitious in the same sentence. That's fun. Yeah. Ryan yeah. Huey on the Chatty Bookshelf every Friday to talk audiobooks. I'm not really sure. When you say have a great one, does that mean lots of bad luck or lots be safe good luck. be careful? It can be good I luck. I hope so. Man, yeah, balance is back. We're going to return with Grant Hardy, and we're going to visit in and weigh in on conversations we've had from the past week on Cut for Time. Hopefully you'll stick around and join us. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's time we talk a little bit about segments, things that have gone on this week here on Kelly and Rumya. Remember to check out the podcast. Just simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher, and you can listen to any of the segments, whether they be in uh, just segment form from the show, or you can listen to the complete show. And today, actually, we have on the audio vanity card, I'll add at the end, uh, Matt Agnew, our senior producer who is stepping away for a, a leave for about a year with us, and uh, he closes things off today on the audio vanity card. Um, and of course, we, Ramya, have to give Matt such a, a big thanks. And uh, also joining us is Grant Hardy. Grant, Matt, uh, Ramya, uh, really love what Matt has brought to this show since day one when we started to work together to build Kelly and Company to this day now as, as he's uh, assumed the role of senior producer helping us guide right into this TV project. Uh, Grant, welcome back. And Ramya, I'll let you pick up the ball. Oh my gosh, yeah. If it, if you need a creative idea or a creative solution for anything, that's what Matt was always there for. So uh, we're going to miss him, but he'll be back in a year. So let's gotcha. talk cut for time. Um, we had so many great conversations with this week. We talked to Alexis Hilliard on Tuesday of Stump Kitchen. You can check her out on social media. She joined us with some of her personal accessible cooking techniques, and here she is explaining some of those techniques for us. Always ask me, like, okay, what adaptive tools do you use? You must need a lot of equipment to help you do what you do. And that's the, that is true for a lot of folks. Um, but in my case, I just used my stump as my tool. So... Um, I use it to mash things. I, the first, the first time I, I juiced a lemon, <laughs> <laughs> the first thing, the first time I juiced a lemon, I cut it in half and I stuck it 
on my stump and used my the end of my stump, which is pretty hard and because it's a lot of bone, I use it as a juicer just instinctively. And that's when my partner was like, you gotta film that. That's like incredible. That's I was awesome. like, but so um what else? Yeah, just anything like a spatula to a masher, juicer, etc. Oh yeah, I love rolling I was um, gonna rolling ask. lemons to kind of juice, <laughs> yeah. uh, get the juice capsules ready. Yeah, and like stick my stuff in there. I love using it as a spatula for um, anything like waffles or pancakes because, like, who wants to dirty another dish? Mm. You know? <laughs> like, who wants to dirty another dish? That is a perfect <laughs> ending, and uh, you know, it just sums up the whole conversation. No, I'm kidding, but honestly, it was really lovely talking to Alexis. And so, um, you know, what I really loved is her warm presence into this conversation, into the conversation about her own lived experience with a disability, with her stump. And also, you know, we had great moments where she talked about what it was like for the trial and error, right? That whole, uh, that whole um, trial and error of, I don't know, I'm not sure if this is gonna work, let's just try it out. And then not just trying it out, but being, confident enough or wanting to be confident enough to share that with the world, you know, sharing the trial and error with everybody else who's watching on social media. We live in a world right now where uh, you can be as candid as you want, but that is all subject to the feedback and commentary uh, and re reaction of everybody around you and everybody not around you. So being able to do that is... Um, I'm sure it definitely took a little bit of riffing off a Band-Aid scenario, and she did it. She did it, and she's still doing it, um, and she brings us into her world with uh, so much warmth and laughter, and I appreciated it because there are some things that I feel very confident about, right, with my disability. Like, I am cool to get up out of my house and go somewhere new, somewhere I've never explored before, somewhere I have no clue, um, and, and prepare for it for a little bit orientation mobility-wise, but I'm confident enough to kind of be like, I'm gonna try it out because this is really important to me. But there are other things that I'm not so confident at and I still, you know, struggle with, right? Like. For example, color coordinating. Color coordinating is such a visual task. It's not even something that I'm super interested in, right? Like color coordinating clothes or um, makeup or styles or uh, furniture, things like that around the house. But I think it should be something that I improve at or could understand better or could create systems around. And so it's something that I'm like, mm but I feel so bogged down because of my disability around this subject and I don't want to. So how do I make that better? And it's something that's like a work in progress all the time. Grant, do you have anything like along these lines for you in regards to being a, a person with disability? Uh, I would say for me, uh, it's basically the opposite of what you've just said, that my biggest problem, because I've mentioned this on the show uh, a few times, this is uh, something that I haven't had a lot of experience with through school, and I've even been shamed for how poor my skills are, is uh, travel and venturing out and going to new places. And really, it's, it's, um, it's difficult because it can really hold you back. Mm. Uh, and it's not something that is easy to sort of hack and come up with little, you know, workarounds. It's it's something where sometimes following, sometimes you can, especially where technology comes in. But a lot of the times uh, it is really important to be able to follow the science and be able to follow the safest method. So that's definitely something, one of my resolutions in 2023 that I would like to expand that uh, however I can expand my knowledge. Uh, but I really uh, uh, enjoyed uh, listening to this interview, though. I think that, uh, look, I'm kind of not a huge fan of social media in general. I think that it can be more unhealthy than healthy. But one thing that uh, is great about it is that it really can help take the stigma off of uh, disability and accessibility, which I think she is really doing. What do you think, Kelly? Oh, for sure. You know, I think I was very lucky growing up at home because I was always encouraged to experiment. Come into the kitchen, let's play a little bit, let's learn stuff. So one of the things that I know some people are really nervous about when cooking 
um, is that heat. As a lot of people I know, whether you're low vision, blind, or sighted, there are people just, I don't like that heat of the stove, I'm uncomfortable, and some people will do what they can to steer away from, from that. I was always taught to be careful, but also not to worry too much about experimenting, maybe adding too much seasoning and saying, eh, no, don't do that again. Um, not to think too much of, don't ruin the meal. Don't put too much of that, because I find that makes people frightened. And I was very lucky because uh, I was encouraged to experiment, to see what I like, um, and again, be sensible about it, you know, that, but be okay with how I like food and to have that, that kind of experimentation and play and be adventurous and try new things. If you don't like it, here's a simple fix. Don't try it again. Don't eat it again. So... Um, I always feel for when anyone says, Grant, they have trouble with, you know, getting around and maybe somewhere it started where they got reluctant or a bad scare or just didn't have that, that feeling of empowerment. And uh, I know that that's such an important thing to have. Also through the week on the program, this is Wednesday, we had our first committee report with Marisa Hershey Meisner on the program from St. John, New Brunswick. In the segment, she dove into some problems with transit fares. Well, Kelly, this this is where the story really gets interesting. Um, without consultation with the CNIB or any stakeholders, at a meeting of St. John Transit Commission on February 21st, 2014, it was resolved to discontinue the practice of providing free fare transportation to blind passengers who hold CNIB identification. Um, and this so, came into effect on July 2nd, 2014. CNIB only learned of this decision by receiving a letter dated uh, or on February 28, 2014. Basically, the Transit Board based their decision um, by receiving a half-page memo from the general manager, Frank McCary, at the time. And it essentially advised the board that the practice of providing free bus transportation has been discontinued at most transit systems and is under review at the St. John Transit. There was an interesting time where we kept hearing this, and a lot of time it was in concert with we're cutting back service, and one of the things that was in jeopardy was the free pass service or this very, very discounted services that a lot of the transit companies had across Canada, including companies that just took it away. And you always need in those communities the advocates to try to fight for it. And, and I know there was a long hesitation for folks at CNIB to get involved, um, and finally, you know, I remember myself going to a meeting that was called by, by City Hall to hear this discussion. And I went to one of them and, you know, I, I, I know we in the conversation also spoke about people who investigated. Did, did we, 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 they were told by transit that other groups were upset. And I'm here to tell you, in some of the experience, yes, other groups were, when these meetings were held, came forward and said, well, yeah, I think it's a little unfair that the low vision blind community are getting these discounts to this degree when seniors and others aren't. And I understand certainly how they felt and certainly understand people's financial challenges. I also, along, among with others, we, we tried to point out the difficulties as low vision and blind people we have. So if you take the pass away, people say, well, then you walk more because we don't have that bicycle option. We don't have the driving option. Um, we better not anyway. And it becomes a real issue of well, can you walk to a lot more places and cut down? Hey, walking's great. It's good and healthy. And a lot of people have guide dogs. Not a big problem. But for a lot of people, it does change the landscape. Effort, time, weather, street furniture. Are you as a city going to control that? So a lot of these things were put on the table as reasons that city councils and other groups people didn't necessarily stop to think of. They, Some of them said, let's up the price then. Instead of you paying maybe $10 a year for your pass, maybe you pay you know, 800 or 400 to get your year pass, whatever it might be. I'm sorry, I'm picking numbers out of the air and stopping saying, oh, I don't know if they're that high yet. But my point is, for a lot of people on uh, government income, that would be like telling someone paying car insurance, guess what, your car insurance is going up by 10 times. That's not fair. Uh, and, and again, it was an argument that had to kind of be flushed out 
and and people had to be a little more educated because it, there wasn't enough transparency for people. So I, I found that these things were a real tough thing, Ramya, to deal with because you saw both sides and there were some people in the community that had no problem with it, you know, and said, well, I'll pay for mine. I've appreciated the discount this far. But maybe they weren't thinking of those who needed them to help advocate for them who were not in that position. Um, and, and yet you're looking to be treated the same as everyone else. But there are those times where you stop and say, hey, this is what we've become accustomed to. Can we, if you're going to make these changes, can they be gradual over a period of time? And those were all the conversations that I recall uh, that people were battling with. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you're going to mark up prices and all of a sudden put price tags on things that were considered uh, accommodations before, because to, to alleviate some of that stress and anxiety that come with um, transportation for people in the disability community and other people, then you have to also consider all these other things, right? Well, then how about mm -hmm. the employment? How about the, the actual income, like you said? How about all the other um, ways that have to you have to consider con compensation for people with disabilities? And I think that really, like you said, some people will consider it, some people will learn to consider it, and others will, will all be at that, that side where they just don't get it. They just don't understand. In Toronto, you have a CNIB bus pass that lets you get on transit for free, and you can use it all day long, all year long. And for some people, that's absolutely fair. And for others, it's like, no way, man, that, that's not fair. Why is it that I'm paying for a bus pass um, for, what is it now, like over 150 bucks a month? And people with CNIB passes don't have to pay for transit at all. So it, it's something, but what the crucial part that you mentioned for me is, Kels, the advocacy. We need the advocacy, we need the education, because there are reasons why these things is, exist, that these requests are made, and it's because it's not fair, and it has to be equitable at the at the least. Grant? Yeah, I mean, I'm really surprised this is even a debate that mm -hmm. people should be taking away the free transit access, because I think this really goes back to, uh, you know, some people not even having the opportunity to access orientation and mobility services. Like it's part of the expanded core curriculum. You have a right to be learning this. And yet so many people are not learning this. And I think, you know, when I, I will say, when I moved to my new area, I used to take the bus just to go a couple of blocks while I was still kind of learning. And it was the mm -hmm. difference between staying inside my house and yep. like getting out and socializing or, whatever i used to take the bus one block because there was construction on my block and i used to take the bus to get past the construction well now of course i don't have to to do that i i'm more familiar but i i commute on the bus it's not a question of just you can walk more i used to commute two hours a day in and out of uh vancouver on the transit and it was the only travel option I have mm -hmm. and in a community which struggles with a number of equitable issues and just struggles to get any employment at all and struggles with issues getting things that we have the really the right to have like those expanded core curriculum mobility that we're not getting uh, I yeah. frankly am very concerned that you know, it's easy for some people, generally people who would have the money where right. 100 or $200 would not be an issue is to say, I, I want to be treated, you know, like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's as ridiculous as people who say, you know, well, if you all want to be treated equally, then we should be able to have equal fights. You know, <laughs> you should be able to yeah, hit, yeah. hit anybody. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. When we talk about treating equally, we're still wanting to be treated equitably. Mm -hmm. And I think this yes. is part of that. Well, um, and I, I think with the transparency, it becomes too a bit of a problem. And, and Grant, we're not going to get in. We're not going to be able to fit your item in. Um, I think this has been both two good, really good conversations <laughs> that meant that we did have a lot to say on the subject. And I think when you go back to that core curriculum, this is stuff we just talked about. And some of the troubles of taking away anything without the transparency to try to help people understand and advocate for, for uh, such things. So... Uh, appreciate you joining us, Grant, as we do Cut for Time every week here on the program. These are simply segments uh, that we ourselves may have wanted to add a little bit to, but 
they weren't time we had to cut our comments off so we do it go back check them out though via the podcast right here uh, at Kelly and Rumya just simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher Grant we'll talk to you next week thanks folks have a good weekend everyone reporter Grant Hardy joining us on Cut for Time. He's back on Wednesday on the program. Ramya and I, however, we will step aside for a couple of moments. We've got to preview our contest that's running. We didn't talk about it yesterday. Shame on us. We'll do that today as well as tell you about a couple of things going on over the weekend on AMI-tv and AMI-audio and a little bit more about our show for Monday. Please stick around. We'll be right back. Take Kelly and Ramya with you on the go. You can stream AMI-audio on your desktop or mobile devices. Find us on TuneIn Radio, O-O-Tunes, and as a preset on your Victor Reader's... Ladies and gentlemen, as we jump into our last segment of the day, the gateway to the weekend over there, it's swung pretty well right open. We'll give it a little touch on our way out the door today, but we have some business ahead. And uh, Ramya, one of the things that we didn't talk about yesterday on the show, but we've got to make a big deal about because Tempur-Pedic jumped right in to give us a prize to work our way through the next month and do our best to give away. Honestly, it's a big prize. It is very incredible. Can't use the word amazing anymore because it's banished. Nope. Um, but you know all the all the uh, all the synonyms to amazing. And so check it out. Okay, we have until February eighth. Oh, sorry, I don't. You do. The Dream Big Concert contest runs until February eighth, and you can chance. Let's start that again. You can enter for your chance to win a temper. Pro Adapt Mattress, and it's as amazing as it sounds. Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material to precisely adapt to your weight, shape, and temperature, offering unmatched comfort and support. For complete rules and for all the details on how you can enter, you can visit ami.ca slash krcontest, and that's where you can find out more information. Now, if you want to just Google... Tempur-Pedic, T-E-M-P-U-R-P-E-D-I-C, so you can find out all about their mattresses and the brand and all the support that they give to the community, uh, and we've had some great conversation leading up to it as well. Okay, fantastic. Good luck, folks, as you register. Uh, on the weekend, folks, on this week's episode of My Life and Books with Red Sale over on AMI-audio, Red is joined by Kate Summerscale, an award-winning author and journalist who achieved international recognition with the publication of The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher, a re-examination of the infamous Roadhill uh, Road case, a grisly Victorian murder that actually became the blueprint for the classic English country house murder story. You can download the show as well as a podcast, My Life in Books with Red Sale from your favorite podcast platform. Okay, there's also other AMI content going on during the weekend when we're talking TV content on the next episode of Double Tap TV. Uh, Lutrum is a brand that has been around for decades. And if you join Stephen Scott and Marco Flalo on Double Tap TV, they can talk about the accessible smart home and how uh, Lutron plays a role in the, the TV realm. So find out more on Double Tap TV, which airs Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. You can also stream Double Tap TV on AMI.ca or, of course, go to the trusty AMI app and download the content. So generally, folks, at this time on Fridays, we're going to try to give you a little tee-up of weekend content on AMI-tv, AMI-audio. Usually we're filling in on what's coming up next on Now at Dave Brown, but that's, uh, that's what we're going to try to do for now. Let's tell you a little bit about our program. On Monday, the Canadian Association of Broadcasters reported that there's a lack of representation of people with disabilities in broadcasting. Danielle McLaughlin, she's going to be here to discuss this on Know Your Rights Monday. Rum? Yes, we're also going to talk to Michael Babcock as he joins us on Mondays for Tech Updates, and he's talking about CES, you guessed it, the Consumer Electronics <laughs> Show. There's so much to talk about there. Uh, he'll tell us what it is, what it's all about, because it actually has quite a history and uh, yeah. leading up to where it is now. And also, of course, 
were pestering all our contributors, our tech guys, on uh, what they thought stood out at CES, what they think is worth highlighting, and he's going to highlight a lot for us. Yeah, there's always so much coming your way that way. I'm very anxious for our talk with Danielle because, of course, what's dear and near to us, but broadcasting. We hope that you've enjoyed our first week on TV, ladies and gentlemen. We've very much enjoyed having you along. And again, to our senior producer, Matt Agnew, the best, and thank you, pal. Uh, you've taken care of us so well, and uh, you are uh, terribly going to be missed by all of us. We hope that we will catch you back here on the program on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful day. Have a great weekend. Now, get out of here, will ya? Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Matt Agnew. Producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Anastasia Spaulding Stenthouse. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI Audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media, Inc. Well, this has been perhaps the busiest year of my media production career. As it turns out, it's a pretty big undertaking to turn a radio show into a TV show. I don't think I've had so many production and technical meetings in my entire life as I have had in the last year. Uh, you know, just chock full of setups and test calls and style changes and headshots and recordings and photo shoots. But I have to admit, you know, the, the result is pretty incredible um, to be able to feature all of the information and the resources and the thoughtful discussion that our contributors bring uh, to meet new people and uh, find out about new initiatives and, and projects that are going on that help lift up the disability community. Uh, you know, it's, it's just incredible to be able to bring that to a whole new medium and a whole new audience. And just thinking about things that we've done on the show in the past here on Kelly and Remya, like uh, Back to Basics Week or our Christmas show, um, things like live performances and community events, it'll just be so cool to see how that, how that works in this whole new medium. For me, though, uh, I say ta-ta for now. I am off on a bit of a new adventure this year. I'm, I'm taking parental leave, and I'm going to be spending uh, the year with my daughter, Gemma, which I am greatly looking forward to. So uh, I will be watching uh, the show from the sidelines a little bit as uh, the great, illustrious Jeff Ryman steps into the senior producer's chair while I am off uh, until I return in 2024. But Really, just congratulations to the whole team, uh, our whole AMI crew, and all of our contributors who have done such amazing work uh, to put all this together for you guys. And I, I just am really excited about what they're going to create together. And all the best for 2023. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.